Dr. Carr. This is Professor Feather. This is the midnight, not dead yet, gadfly. Dr. Head. And this is Born the Blue Fez. And you are listening to... Greetings, fellow Unsaniacs. This is the Blue Fez. Today, we're doing a deep dive into the Unsane Radio Film Vault. We're talking about the 1994 Italian horror film Cemetery Man, also known as a Della Morta dell'Amore, starring Rupert Everett. Francois Haji Lazaro, the mind-numbingly gorgeous Anna Falci, and directed by Michel Suave. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the watchman <laughs> of the Buffalora Cemetery. My name's Francesco Della Morte. I don't know how the epidemic started. All I know is that some people, on the seventh night after their death, come back to life. With your consent, I'd like to marry Nagy. Not as long, dear, as I've got a breath in my body. We'll fix that right away. Stop killing the dead. If you don't want the dead coming back to life, why don't you just kill the living? Are you listening to me? Don't you believe me? Punch line. Punchline. Punchline. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Baby, you got any lube? Professor Feather Punchline! Best zombie motorcycle scene ever! <laughs> Midnight Gadfly Punchline! She's a virgin! She's a hooker! She's a she's a widow! <laughs> Dr. Tar Punchline! You already went to Tar. I'll be Dr. Oh, Head! Dr. 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 Head says... I can think of another I... one. <laughs> Go ahead, Tar. Bye. Oh. Amy, you stink. <laughs> Doctor Head, I, I like boobies. They call me the booby watcher because I like boobies. <laughs> and my own punchline: dead, 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 Italian style. <laughs> so after Corpse all the fucker. <laughs> so after all of that, have you been able to figure out what's going on in this film? No. Well, good because. It's it's a crazy little flick here. Uh, we're not spoiling in anything, really. After the first five minutes, you pretty much get the, the gist of the film. So, let's start. Professor Feather. Oh, this is a great film. This is one of those films that put the zombie movie in a whole different category, um, which I absolutely appreciated, you know, at the time. I, I probably saw it, you know. In the late '90s, probably, you know, um, but yeah, I think it's a great, it's a great movie. Um, 
the what's his name Rupert Everett is yep. he's he's great the guy that plays Nashi is is excellent there's a scene in there where he puts the skull together and then he tears yep. it apart and Rupert the character comes back oh this this movie is a surreal romp that is not unlike 200 motels with without uh, without the soundtrack <laughs> 200 grave sites. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. No, I think it's a, it's a fantastic movie. That'd be a mass movie. grave? Or... Um, this is probably the fourth or fifth time I, I just watched it again, you know. Actually, late last night, probably 3 o'clock in the morning, I watched this movie. Good again, time to watch. You know? And it's just, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a terrific movie. Um, very, you know. Surreal. Very, well, it, yeah. When you get to the end, you understand what's all going on. Yeah, um, it, yeah. it, this movie reminds me a lot of a, of a what is a French film? Man bites dog. Wasn't that a French film um, about the 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 the, uh, the fake documentary film crew? The film crew that yeah. were that was following the serial killer around. That's awesome. Um, it kind of reminds me of that. It has that kind of that feel to it. Um, but it's it's very it's beautiful. The way it's shot, I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful, um, and uh, stage design is great. And I will go. My only other thing I want to say is, I, my my punchline was right when he comes up out of the grave on that motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Well, then there's a close up, and he does his hand, and and they 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 show yeah. pieces of the bike, and I'm going, I'm nodding, going. That's Tetsuo. That's a nod to Tetsuo Iron Man, right there. That's an absolute nod, you know, to that to that movie. Yeah. Um, all all the machinery just, in the hand. All the, the machinery in the hand. Yeah. 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 Uh, just uh, yeah. And I, and I, this movie has some of the wittiest dialogue too. Um, it's kind of hard to. You really got to pay attention, um, but a lot of the dialogue is very spot on and very witty and. And you know you get a lot of information. The inspector is a great character. The the the, the, the cop. I love him. I love him. Okay, that's all. That's it so, for me. I, you know, <laughs> originally I wanted to call it a horror comedy, but I don't know that it's necessary. It's got comedic elements. I mean, it's not like Evil Dead Two. You know, like the obvious slapstick. I think the comedy here is a little bit more reserved. Um, so I, I just stuck with horror film. I don't know what anybody feels, Doctor Head. Oh, I, I love this movie. Um, you know, was it was it made in where was it made? Uh, Italy. New Zealand, Italy. Oh, Italy. Okay, Italy. Okay. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, far. Uh, with the style of, I think the humor that you were were getting at there, uh, Fez was. It, it feels a little bit like Peter Jackson's early work, yes. and and that kind of deadpan delivery, and that really quick. You have to pay attention because those lines are, they're not like drawing attention to themselves. Uh, but yeah, surreal, a sense of magical realism. You find out as this thing goes because it becomes this absurdist romp, but beautifully absurd. Not stupidly absurd. Not like they couldn't figure out what they were doing, but they knew exactly what they were doing to right. make it go down this path. And it gets just ridiculous, uh, but just deliciously so. You know, it's like oh, this is fantastic. And then you know, I, I won't say anything about the end, but then it. It definitely takes a twist, a turn. Like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, and we're forgetting one of the the biggest features of the movie is the the Ooh. 
they yeah oh. <laughs> the two two but with the you know there's a good there's a uh, some kind of kinky eroticism going on in this movie too yes you know which is a whole another feature that's kind of a you know a layer to the movie which i find i find and uh that's you know we will talk man. about nashi and his love <laughs> uh he 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 getting a little head meant a lot it means a lot in his case <laughs> well Speaking of head, yes. This whole this whole necromantic theme here that's going on here, loving the dead here. Uh, yes, that's, that's yeah, all and just the matter of, the of factness. Uh, that's the beauty of the movie. Everything is so matter of fact, you know. He goes yeah. and meets whatever the premiere or whatever the hell at that cafe. <laughs> that whole conversation is just totally bizarre, you know, <laughs> just really a bizarre conversation. Was, yeah. Is that the one just where? Be, yeah. Oh, he just threw up on me. Well, come on, get on the bike. We'll take a ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. The girl, puke covered girl, gets on the bike, but then you know, there's the horrible accident. <laughs> horrible. Uh, they get back on the bike eventually. And so. the basic premise of the of the movie is that the dead come back to life, and um, it's After a the week. it's the engineer's <laughs> job. I'm not an engineer. <laughs> It's the engineer's <laughs> job to uh, exterminate the li- living dead. <laughs> yeah, in the, the cemetery. Undead, yeah, in the cemetery, <laughs> and so he's got what just like a you know a dirty hairy forty five or something. Forty four magnum. Forty four magnum that he's sporting, you know, uh, and just casually blowing them apart. You know, it's kind of everything in the movie is very casual. I, I think that's a, that, that's one of his main qualities. Yeah, even the, the the town council seem pretty. Eh. He's like, I need help, and they're like, well, Who okay, are we paying you for? Yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> plus. Eh, you're doing all right. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Now, I a uh, little fun fact. I got to see this in '96 when it was brought over for its like English film premiere, uh, the 24-hour science fiction marathon in Columbus, Ohio, which is a lot of fun. I think they're still doing them, uh, although not this year. I think they, they postponed it to next year. And I can tell you, seeing it in a, with an audience, especially a theater full of uh, you know sci-fi geeks and fan <laughs> or film buffs, it, it was easily a favorite uh, of the, uh, the selection that they had that year. We were just rolling uh, in, the, in the aisles. Much like Valentina's head after Nagi, chasing you know, <laughs> up through the chasing <laughs> up through the cemetery. That was that was a lot of fun to see that. So seeing it in that environment was great. And so the film's always stuck with me. Just as just it was a quirky little you know take on the zombie genre, which I appreciated. Yeah, I kind of hated it being lumped with the zombie genre, but it is. I mean, anyway, yeah, very different Italian sort of take. It's not what you would come to expect from an Italian zombie movie, I guess. Well, after <laughs> Lucio Fulci, or maybe it is. You know the the, the seminal classic Zombie, which came out yeah. a year after you know Zombie Two in the United States uh, after George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Uh, yeah, Fulci and, and a lot of the Italian horror really amps up the gore, you know, and then Mario Vava. And sex. And, yeah, and and these painful death, Wait, gruesome, gruesomely slow. Yes. Totally <laughs> gross, right. yeah. which follows on that giallo tradition. Yeah, you know, thank but, you for bringing that up. Yeah, yes, yes, but but um, but yeah, this there was a delight to 
to this movie. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, much, but it was still. It, I don't think a movie like that could be made in the states and have the charm. There's just no way. That, <laughs> you know, it just I, wouldn't I, happen. I, agree. I, agree. I mean, other comedies. I mean, since then we have you know Shaun of the Dead, which was again charming and funny and more of a traditional zombie to your nod there, right. Tar. But, but I haven't seen other than Zombie Land, which is a very latecomer in this genre. Uh, there aren't too many good zombie comedies. But but this one is almost I yeah I would say less zombie. Uh, it almost has a feel of like an Asian like the Asian vampire or Asian ghost. Yeah, it, it feels yeah. a lot like like Mr. Vampire in that kind of sense that <laughs> that feel, you know. But I'll leave it. That's an that's an interesting comparison right there. I think that's that's fun. That whole yeah, you're assigned to keep the dead. Mm-hmm. There, dead. It's just, I yeah. think that's fun. Anyway, Mr. Vampire. Dead life. Any thoughts? Um, yeah, I remember seeing this in uh, what was it uh, the mid '90s? I think right when it came out, and it was uh, I think this was just when DVDs were starting to take hold, um, and we were starting to find these weird DVDs in different places. Um, the thing that struck me about this is I was watching it and I thought, well, this is like uh, Peter Jackson, right? And Sam Raimi. I thought there was a lot of those two influences with like the, the camera work and all that kind of stuff, uh, but the, with a completely different sensibility. And I love the fact that there's really no plot. You know what I mean? Like it's literally a series of vignettes that end up in the end. And spoiler alert, I think we should really talk about the end because I would like you guys to explain to me what the fuck's going on with the end of this movie. Because <laughs> honestly, I'm like, eh, I've watched this probably half a dozen times and I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, telltale things that go on in it that say this is not reality or this is not a normal reality. <laughs> um, just the way everybody behaves, uh, the way they're, they're, they're almost instantly dismissive. Zombies. Of, yeah, I mean, well, just... they're also instantly dismissive of the fact that these killings that happen could happen because of the cemetery man, even though he was seen there. Right. Uh, and... There's a serial killer on the loose. Yeah. Be yes. careful. I'm glad you have a gun. I'm right. glad you have a gun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. He, you know, he goes off and kills the people who've been making fun of him for so long. Right. You know, he's asked to sit down at that table with his uh, crazy and naggy assistant or whatever. Um, and is that a call out to, you know, Paul Nagy or Nagy or whatever it is? The, what was the guy? I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, never, Nashi, never, never made Nashi, that. Yeah. Paul Nashy. Yeah. Um, yeah. the, uh, but, but Nagy, but, uh, when that scene just is really weird. And the fact that, that he throws up on the girl and then the girl just casually gets on the back of the motorcycle. Um, and then, uh, Nagy falls in love with that girl's head, uh, and then yeah. the head has the has the ability to fly out of the television, you know. Yeah, uh, and I think that whole that whole like symbolism uh, of her being in his television that's been destroyed, which is his life. Like that's where he lives in front of the television. It's it's his companion. Um, so much so that he ignores what's going on around him. Sometimes he's like, "I've been calling you. Where have you been?" And he's like, "Watching the TV, uh, and eating whatever it is that he eats." Um, uh, and his place is almost like a crypt as well, right? Like his, yeah. his he's underneath uh, um, where Cemetery Man is. And the assistant. Yeah. And Buffalora. That's the name of the town that he's in. The Buffalora, you know, just Buffalo Ra. <laughs> 
um, which is really weird too. So explain to me uh, that ending. All right, so spoiler alert. They try to escape Buffalora, uh, and they almost get out, and they go through a tunnel and end up at the edge of the world. You know, and... and uh, the, Flat Earth was yes. right. Yeah, everything that uh, Ganji has or whatever whatever that guy's name is is in a coffin. Right? <laughs> Ganji. Yeah. No, what is his name? I can't, I can't. Yeah. Nagi. 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 Yeah. Okay. No, Nagi. but I like Ganji. Is in a, yeah. Is, <laughs> is in, in this yes yeah, this thing where he says you're not bringing that along you know the the coffin but then you see it's on the car as they go mm-hmm. and they stop at the edge and uh, Ganji you think is dead. He gets hit in the head or something like that. And then he wakes up and he's talking. He's sitting on the edge of the world and he starts actually talking, which he doesn't do throughout the whole thing, right? He just right. makes like primal noises. Um, and then they cut to a snow globe of them sitting there, right? So, gentlemen, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I think there was an homage to the St. Elsewhere TV show of the 80s as well. The year before, <laughs> where, where the end of the series was the... The, the head doctor's autistic son looking into a snow globe, imagining this world like the entire series was in this boy's imagination. That's the first thing I thought of when you. Well, yeah, and it's in it's an engineer's imagination. It's it's all the engineers in the. That says that everything that you've seen is in his head. Yeah. Nagy is one part of him. The inspector is one part of him. All of these people are are parts of him. You know, um, and. You never know. Once you see that end, you never know. Going back and watching the movie again, if the, if anything is real, yeah, you know, you just don't know. Um, and I think that's one of the beauties of the movie. That's what takes it kind of out of a, your normal zombie movie, because it, yeah. it's really a fantasy movie. You know, in this guy's, you know, all all inside of this guy's head when he gets to that edge. And I dis- disagree. The, it, it's, he doesn't get to the edge of the world. It's a road that breaks off right there. And if you look across the valley, you see other houses. And so it's not the edge of the world. It's the edge of his world. His world. Right? Yeah, Buffalora. Buffalora, exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about was the fact that, uh, what's her name, Fulci? Uh, the woman yeah. plays. The actress. Yeah, she manifests as three different people in this movie. Yes. Um, the first one is she's a widow. Um, and her husband, who's much older than her, um, and he mistakes her for his father, her father, <laughs> and she corrects him. He ends up, you know, hooking up with her um, and having sex with her. And then he describes himself as impotent. And everybody knows he's impotent. Like even the inspector goes, yeah, we know you didn't rape this person because you're impotent. Um, but then he gets chemically kind of castrated. Yeah, right? he wasn't really impotent. Right, because but then he gets chemically castrated because he wants to be impotent because he meets a girl who is a virgin and doesn't want to have anything to do with a penis. Uh, but then she, which, which 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 is a which is such a <laughs> such a pre-shadowing of what actually happened. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then and then he. Then brilliant she's, writing, yeah, brilliant writing. It is well, but I think there's a lot of psychology in here, like what yes. what women are to men are very categorical. You know, like we, we, you know, we're like, oh, this is the woman I'm going to marry. Oh no, this is the woman I want to bang. Oh no, this is the woman who needs to be rescued by me because she, her dude. You know, I mean, like, there's just all this kind of weird psychology that's going on, um, and I think it's uh, it's really brilliant because you don't see it the first time you watch the movie, or I didn't. 
Um, it was just a zombie movie, you know, it was and kind of a comedy and it had great actors. Uh, I think Rupert uh, uh, Everett is Everett. charming as hell. I mean, really charismatic. Um, and that dude's like huge. Was he like 6'5 or something like that? You know, just a, a very tall dude. Um, and then uh, the woman is gorgeous, you know, and she's really good too. Uh, she's good as those three different parts. You're like, okay, this isn't just a beautiful person. This is a really good actor um, who you know comes through with all that kind of stuff. Um, who happens to be hot. Happens to be hot. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, yeah, and when I, I think that's, I love those kinds of surprises, you know, where, where you have that kind of, like we were talking about in the last episode, William Smith getting a doctorate and being part of the CIA and NSA. You know, you're like, this total fucking man, manly man, um, is also Doc Savage, <laughs> right? So, yeah, I think Cemetery Man is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a multiple, multi-watch, you know. That's what differentiates it from a Sam Raimi film. You can watch Sam Raimi films multiple times just for the same pure enjoyment, you know, that simple, nothing complicated, you know, there's no big Almost message. like a cartoon. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where this employs the cartoon elements to kind of uh, get you weirded out about all the deep shit that's going on here. You know, the, the deep weirdness. And just to add to it, if you've never seen it, it's beautifully shot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not just, it's not standard run of the mill. You know, the cinematography is is absolutely gorgeous. And they talked about the ossuary. is a real ossuary. And one of the stories about the ghost, about the guy who moved the bones. And then he brought him back because he said this ghost got all over him because it was. That's one of the, the backstories of the movie being made. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, is it, it, it's a it's a it's a fabulous movie. What, it, De, De La Morte means something. What is De La Morte? His name. Uh, death One's death, and the other one is is life. And then De La Morte is like it. Life De La Morte. Love. Is it love? Uh, yeah, with Della, Della no, Morte. love and death is, is yeah. that what it is. And Della Morte. Yeah, the. Uh, I think you're right. Like the cinematography. And his name is Della Morte. Yeah, his it, last name is Della Morte. This is uh, on uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, one of his top films. He calls this out as one of the best films of that year, um, and just talks about how it's deceptive in its simplicity. Uh, and complexity, you know, like uh, that kind of stuff. And I, I totally agree with that kind of assessment. Dr. Tar. Oh, I thought I was... Oh. No, I wasn't sure. Did you want to throw in some extra? I, I, it was a, a kind of a gem to find in those years. You know, coming off the 80s, it was... Uh, it seemed the '80s were really pushing the weirdness level of movies, you know. Maybe and it probably climaxed in this, which I I think it's brilliant because when it first came out, everybody assumed it was just you know another Italian zombie flick, and then when you watched it, it was you're completely blown away by yeah. just what we discussed here, you know, just the complexity of it, the beautiful photography. You know, everybody's used to latex hanging <laughs> orange blood splattering all over the place and it was just yeah, it was interesting find at the time and I guess that's why 
So there we have it. There we have it. Cemetery Man. So do we want to do a round of what everyone's watching? Sure. Sure. Let's do it. Uh, Go ahead, Tar. Oh, no, I couldn't think of anything. (laughs) Oh, okay, then I will be happy to go. Uh, I, uh, I watched Cruella with Emma's Stone and Thompson. I'm not sure. Has anyone seen that yet? Nope. Oh, it's, it's a, uh, it's like both a prequel and a reboot. And it's set in London during this, you know, the punk movement of the seventies. And, and the, the movie focuses on Estella Miller, who, who's the Emma, Emma Stone's character. Um, she's an aspiring fashion designer and, um, how she meets up with this woman who's also a, a big fashion mogul and then um how she becomes this rival to her um and you know i love a villain villain origin story but i never you don't see her as a villain in this movie so then you you see how she becomes cruella uh the soundtrack is great the film is it's lush and the costume design is gorgeous um there are some just jaw-dropping moments and i uh, emma stone and thompson both brilliant actresses uh and i will just use the word delicious i mean i you know i like emma stone anyway uh but as corella she uh brings this whole new level of uh kind of attitude i mean she has to fill it because corella is such a great villain but by the time you see her and you'll see nods to the cartoon versions of her in the film too like the car that she drives and the way she's up on the wheel uh very very cool nods if you pay attention but but it's a great film just so wonderful to watch surprising i didn't want to see it at all but when i got into it i'm like oh this is this is brilliant great movie yeah i've heard really good things about it and and, and i'm like i'm like what do you like you hear these reviews and you're like what are they talking about come on um mm-hmm. and this is cruella deville from 101 Dalmatians. 101 Dalmatians, right. right. See, that's, and that was the other thing. I'm like, they're describing the movie. And I'm like, wait, is this like some sort of coincidence or are they playing off of, you know, so. Yeah, it's um, her origin story. Yeah, well, and people just say, they're like, just, you got to watch the movie. Got to see the movie. I'm like, yeah. and then you said, you mentioned it. And John's like, oh, yeah, let's, you know, so I'm, yeah. it's on my list to watch. Yeah, definitely worth it. I just recently watched uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 I hadn't seen those two movies uh, Quentin Tarantino movies in a long time so I thought "Eh." didn't have anything else to do late at night so I popped those babies in Uh, actually I I watched them on I think HBO Max or somewhere Um, and just thoroughly enjoyed him saw you know this is i don't know how many times i've watched these movies i I couldn't tell you but you know every time i see something a little different something from a different angle uh, a different message message kind of you know pops up uh you know tarantino is one of the most brilliant director writer to come down the pike ever so so deliberate he is yes, very deliberate. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and if you look, uh, I mean, we could talk episodes, episodes of his <laughs> movies, all, yeah. you know, could, could fill up a whole, you know, season of podcasts. 
because they're you know, just so brilliant. Well, and um, he what, is. What can you say? Yeah. He is pop culture. And I'll say that's true. And he is pop culture, and he is. Yeah, he is the regurgitation of pop culture and unpop supreme. <laughs> post postmodern. Yeah, he's the post postmodern director. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, and and yeah. Kill Kill Bill's Volume One and Two are pure cartoons. Um, they're you know this is his uh, his nod to his big nod to uh, um, Asian movies. Um, in, in big nod to one Asian series. Movies. Not Lady Snowblood. There was a there, although there's a scene in the first Kill Bill that is taken from Lady Snowblood. But there was yes. a samurai series as a trilogy. I forget the name of it offhand. Uh, perhaps Pez knows. Um, a trilogy of a, a woman who was born. Her mother was a prostitute, and she was born and kind oh. of grew up in this fire. And she becomes this samurai revenge warrior in the seventies. Uh, revenge warrior and, and hunts down the mob. Everyone who like helped you know kill her mom and. It yeah. is excessively violent. Beautifully done, <laughs> though. I mean, just hands and fingers and faces yeah. getting lobbed off and just gore everywhere. So when you see Kill Bill, you are totally seeing a nod to to that oh, trilogy. Yes. Oh, and yeah. it, it's beautifully uh, that is it's one example of the Asian uh, vast array of films and styles. Right. You know, he's. It, Tarantino is is like the consummate historian, um, mm-hmm. film historian. This guy has a memory that is you know just won't quit, and he ha- has absorbed everything that he could ever see of all of mm-hmm. that of every genre. And then it's that's why I said. And then he mashes it all together and brings mm-hmm. it back into the right. into his vision, which also includes certain other aspects of pop culture that might be. Uh, relevant at that time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he just and these two movies are they're just fun too. What yeah. the hell, you know? I'm watching them now, just watching them. Yeah, and they're just fun movies and, and great. So that's what I've been watching. Yeah, he's I think who he chose is Bill. Yeah, the actor who Bill is. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and what series he was on in the seventies? You know, yep, exactly. Well, he's an eidetic cinephile. You know, I mean, like, yes. he's got com- yes. instant recall of whatever he wants to call upon. Um, and I would say my favorite part of uh, Kill Bill is uh, Michael Parks. The, the Which multi- one? Michael, yeah, that's what I mean. The multiple Which roles one? that he plays. Yes. Oh, and, yes. and the fact that when he plays the, the, the South American guy, you know, the Spanish guy, he... Uh, he sat in because the guy who was supposed to play that couldn't make it for the sit-in. And as soon as he read for that part, um, Tarantino goes, call the other guy. He's fired. <laughs> He's like, Michael <laughs> Parks is going to be doing this. And you're like, Michael Parks is the dictionary definition of slow-eyed. You know what I mean? Like the way he blinks and his, yeah, I don't know. He's the man. He's of that... Uh... Uh, James Dean school of acting. Uh, he came out of that whole period uh, where they they all had that. You know, it was called the James Dean look, and he was you know pretty guilty of it of you know playing off of that whole thing. You know, because he was of that whole time too. Because I remember him uh, from a TV show um, where he was rode a motorcycle around the country. I, God, I can't remember the name of the show. But anyway, that was my first uh, first time I ever saw Michael Parks, and liked him ever since. Liked him in that, and he's just you know 
I just really, I think he's a, he's a good actor. And yeah, I yeah. Every time you see him, and and he does the the uh, South American guy perfectly too. It's just absolutely great. Nice. Gadfly? I just watched uh, the second season of uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Is that? Oh, yeah. Um, not as good as the first season. Um, very mm. truncated. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. It, it felt like these were produced for the show, whereas the first season were found, you know, things they found mm. and compiled them together and said, hey, let's, you know, these are all really good. Um, I had a much higher percentage of love for the first uh, um, series uh, than I did the second one. There was a lot of derivative stuff in the second one. Uh, the whole life pod uh, with the the whatever that cre- the robot was that goes rogue was literally from like Red Planet, right? Um, with Val Kilmer and you know uh, where they they have this mm-hmm. thing that yeah. goes rogue, it, and it looks like it. It's that totally the cat that uh, you know robot kind of thing um the ones i did like were the ones where the people were immortal um and they were killing people that were going off off book and living you know and you know the whole thing where they say you can't invite any more people to the party until somebody leaves the party (laughs) you know um and that's why they you know there was no more they weren't having children they couldn't have any more babies or any of that kind of stuff um, I did like the Pixar one where the the cleaning robot goes crazy. Oh, um, with you, yeah, yeah, that made me laugh. And it made me laugh, and it was you. You thought something was going to happen that didn't happen, and then the lady comes back and you know does you know what she's supposed to. The uh, um, I hated the one that was the train. That was like really yeah. kind of a bit. I think this was the problem with most of the stories in the current one is that. They weren't really good stories. They weren't compelling. Um, the animation might have been cool um, and so on, but uh, what I will give them is that they are so close to, to squashing the Uncanny Valley. The one about snow, the guy that's the immortal that is, you know, you don't know why he's immortal. Uh, and then, I don't know, that one, that looks so real. Like you, if I didn't know... That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, if I didn't know... I would have thought that was real people in that. I'm like, that is really good. And the story was really good. Uh, the the pacing, all that kind of stuff. That was my favorite one. Um, and it really made me think, I would like to see that company uh, do um, Planetary. Oh. Like, yeah. Can you imagine Planetary just being done by that kind of animation level uh, of nice. 3D? Yeah. Cool. And, and he even yeah. looked like... Uh, snow or whatever Elijah the, Snow yeah, yeah Elijah Snow um, and I, I think you know even though Warren Ellis is on the outs because he's been you know me too or whatever um, it doesn't to me uh, waylay the brilliance of that series and Transmetropolitan I think those are uh, monumental landmark uh, kind yeah. of stuff uh, but yeah love I love the idea of Love, Death, and Robots. It replaces... Uh, do you remember the animation festivals that used to go on here in Toledo uh, at uh, the Glendale? Yeah. You know, where you could see those once a year. You'd see all the coolest animation. Sometimes it would be a two-day thing where you'd go and watch a three-hour one Saturday, a three-hour one Sunday. Um, but I love the fact that that's a venue. Um, but I would 
it, the second season just doesn't touch the first one. I, I don't right. think. I'll throw in that uh, I watched Black Widow last night. Oh, I gotta go see that. So, I uh, ponied up. Uh, we had a couple friends over. Uh, so, we watched it. Um, so, it's okay. It's not great. Um, I, I will. I don't want to give any spoilers out here. I will say, if, if you like the character of Taskmaster in the Marvel comics, they, his character. I mean, I, it was just dumb. I, I was watching this going, this is just stupid. It was, it was, it was, it was dumb. Um, the best thing about the movie was the setup of David Harbour, who's playing the Red Guardian, um, and, oh, is it Rachel, Rachel Weitz? I think she was playing Melina. So they, the, the, the whole, the, like the, the family sort of unit, Black Widow's family. Cause, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not going to give any way with this plot line, but it starts with them in Ohio in 1995 and their Russian plants, their, their spies. I'll just leave it at that. But that whole family dynamic keeps popping up through the event. And for me, that's what rescues the film kind of lifts it up a little bit because other than that, it's just kind of like, oh, there, there's just, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, there, there are some things I really liked about it, and then there's some things that just really irritated me. It's like, damn. And then, of course, there's a whole argument, like, why are we doing this now? Why, why didn't we do this, you know, right after Civil War? Because that's where this movie picks up re- immediately after Captain America Civil War. Why didn't we do it then? You know, might have been a little more time, but. Yeah, I, uh, so did you go to the theater, or did you... No, we, we rented it. So okay. we did the premiere access, and the people came over. Everybody just pitched in money <laughs> for it, because it was like it's like 30 bucks. And I'm like, oh, okay. Sure. But, uh, yeah. so, so they just came over, because I'm, I'm still going to go see it in the theater. I didn't take my, too, my yeah. other son uh, to go see it. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's... I mean, there, there there's a lot to like about it. After this, I, I would love a Disney series... Just with David Harbour in the whole Russian family subplot, I would love to see that expounded on because I, I loved I love David Harbour. I think he's yes, he, he's awesome. I mean, his Hellboy isn't great, but I I oh. loved him as Hellboy. Back off! I thought, Back off I now! Thought, <laughs> I I enjoyed his take on Hellboy. I mean, the movie is not. Eh. I mean, come on, they got Thomas Hayden Church to play Lobster Johnson. That alone, right there, I that kind of hooked me in. Right there, hey, man. I yeah. But, the more I watch his Hellboy, the more I like it because uh, it's actually much closer to the real Hellboy comic. You know, um, yeah. I don't know. It's just there's some, and I love the other Hellboys too. I, oh, I'm yeah. Not, oh not, yeah. Yeah. Those are I love those movies as well, and I love the fact that they're so different. Um, but David Harbor, yeah, so good. Uh, Stranger yeah. Things and yep. Um, but but it, he in, in this, he's just great. He's just like this. Captain America wannabe, <laughs> I mean, but, but he's Russian, so you know we we talk about Cosmic Voyage. But I mean, and he's just the whole. He's like, yeah, I fought Captain America back in '83. He's like, oh, he's nothing, and everybody's like, wait, he was still in the ice in '83, and then he just kind of diverts them to something else. That, so there's there's that whole thing which is really funny, and yeah. yeah. What's he, the yeah, what's the Soderbergh movie that just debuted on HBO Max? that uh david harbour's in i just why it's got benicio del toro it's got uh, oh um yeah oh here let's see let me see if I... is that yeah i i just saw the like yeah. the little card 
on oh, the... Uh, I watched it. That's another thing I've watched. It's so good. It, no it, sudden move? Yes. Okay. And uh, it's, it's typical Soderbergh. We were just talking about... I watched that, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. And I watched that as soon as I could. Yes. As soon as it came out, you're like, done. Yes. Up there. Um, we were talking about that one, and we were talking about the, the other one uh, that's an HBO exclusive that is uh, um, Remy Malik and Jared Leto and... Uh, um, yeah, the little Denzel, things. Denzel Washington. Yeah, little things. Yeah. Good movie? The little things. Yeah. That's where you're like, Jared Leto... He can be as weird to... as he wants. Really fucking yeah. good. I have to yeah, see I also that. Watched that it's on my list. On my short list. list. Yeah, those I considered those my my you know like top notch movies of the of the time. <laughs> I don't you know yeah, to, really that good. I could see and, and you know thoroughly enjoyable movies to watch. And I am a big Soderbergh fan, so there we go. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you were telling and me that... Benicio del Toro. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite actors. But you were uh, and Don Cheadle, one yeah. of my all-time favorite actors. But Feather, you were telling me that uh, Soderbergh shot it and edited it. Yes. that movie under yes. pseudonyms. Yes, and the whole thing was shot with a fisheye lens. So if you watch it, everything in the background when they pan that, it looks like a flat. Uh, it's the most fucked up thing because I I kept watching. I'm like, what the fuck is going on back there? <laughs> Everything looks in the background like it's flat, and they shot it in Detroit, right? It's you know, yeah, it, yeah, it's oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cinematography is great. Yeah, he he did the cinematography and the editing under pseudonyms. Yeah, both those movies. She's want to do because he's yeah, he knows what he wants, <laughs> and he he hasn't proven himself wrong yet. Cool. All right. Who else did we do we need to see? Tar, what have you been, what have you been watching? Not much, dude. <laughs> a lot of YouTube stuff. But there you go. Cooking uh, shows. Akumi Kum. Is that is that? Mark, you would know. What's the name of? Uh, I found it on YouTube. It's the kid from Johnny Sacco, but it looks like it's before Johnny Sacco. Oh. And he's I like with it. the devil. Oh wow! The guy and like him looks like the magician. Huh. And they fight like supernatural monsters. Black Don't and know white. about that. I'll have to check it out it's for a, sure. Yeah, Akumi. Oh, yeah. And there's all yeah. little snippets of it, but I'm curious to find it. There's yeah. Johnny, the kid, the guy who played Johnny. He died young. He was in a car accident. Yeah, but or yeah, I'll check it. by a giant robot foot. Speaking of YouTube, <laughs> I just watched uh, the first episode, the entire episode of HR Puffin stuff. Oh yeah, oh, that's wow. that's on YouTube. And yeah, there's a lot. That cool was movies. that was a real treat because I hadn't seen HR Puppin stuff in a long time, oh, so that yeah. was a real, uh, real treat. Yeah, see, John and uh, I'm sorry, uh, Fez and Head. People wonder why our generation is so fucked up. It is because of Sid and Marty Croft. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> HR puffin stuff is the stuff of fucking nightmares, man. <laughs> I hated it as a kid. I hated that fucking flute. Like, God, God damn it, Tommy, just fucking just bend that flute in half or blow into it till it can't breathe. Jesus fucking Christ, just, just destroy that flute. And you're like, Charles Nelson. HR puffin stuff's ass, something. Get rid of that goddamn flute. Oh, Tommy, fuck you, flute. Yeah, and you're like, yep. at that Sorry, age, you're like, uh, somebody explain Charles Nelson Riley to me. 
Lidsville, right? Lidsville. That's Lidsville. That's Lidsville. Yeah, that's right. Not HR puffin stuff. That was not puffin stuff. That was was another trippy show. That New Zoo Review. I'm like, (laughs) fucking A, man. Well, it's it's funny because in our next episode, we'll be talking about a a Sid and Marty Croft, uh, a nod uh, that Sid and Marty Croft actually ripped off uh, an element of the movie we're going to be talking about next week. That's right. So, yes, that's right. Looking forward to that. The Connections. Are there? Yeah, next week in five minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Time slip. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Do you have Mark Justice? You're welcome. Mark Justice. You got a nickel every time someone says time slip. Dr. Tar, and you've been listening to. Oh, Unsane Radio Prime, part of the Unsane Radio Network. Yes, proud founding member. Unsaneradio at gmail.com. Keep those letters coming. Unsane Radio on Facebook and Tar and Feather on Facebook and tarandfeather.com on the Ethernet. Tar and Feather Psycho Cinema. And Mark Justice on Facebook, Mark Justice fifty four on Instagram, and Heavy Metal Horror here. Heavy Metal Horror. Radio. Heavy Metal Ooh. Horror. As does we, 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 we freak? freaks. What? Who? We? We? W e f r e k z. Freaks. We freaks. I think he's frozen. He's freaksin. <laughs> he's freaksin. It's freaking cold in here, man. Cold. We freaked out. <laughs> Come you back to find, us, you can, you can find uh, Midnight you. Gadfly standing on the corner of uh, Summit and Jackson in right uh, Toledo, Ohio. Right just this minute. Every day. Yes. He'll be wearing the long johns. You can say I'm hanging out. They don't call them long johns for nothing. (laughs) Check out the angle of my dangle.